Huckabee, Congressman Jim Jordan, Wire Walker extraordinaire Nick Belinda, singing game inventor Rob Ridgway, and music from Chris Christian. Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Uh, welcome, everybody. We've got the Christmas spirit going on here. It is really fun because we're getting close to the holidays. Doesn't this stage and set just look dynamite for Christmas? What a great job our team did. And Trey and the band, they're all dressed up in their Christmas sweaters. Mm -hmm. Trey even has this uh, bottle water holder in look his sweater. I've never seen that it's before. Let's just make sure that's water. That's, we need to make sure. Keith, how's your week been, my man? Oh, it's been good. You know, I, I heard something this week that, uh, I don't know, you, you're kind of a, a tech guy, so you'll get it. A little bit. Uh, what do you get when you mix a Christmas tree with an iPad? I have no idea. You get a, listen to this. Okay. Pineapple. I, I think wow. you deserve a boo for that. Pineapple. I really do. I thought there I you go. Thank I you, audience. I'm clever myself. I... That's really funny, Keith. <laughs> hey, I've got one for you. Okay. What do you get when you cross a Georgia Democrat with a Georgia Republican? Ooh, I don't want to know. A runoff election. There you go. That's are. what you get. Yeah. You know, the runoff elections in Georgia for two U.S. Senate seats, well, they're historic on many levels because it's rare that two Senate seats ever occur simultaneously because they're typically staggered with two or four years between them. This time, it's due to one regular term ending for David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler holding a seat by appointment from a previous resignation. But beyond the two seats coming up together, this election will determine the balance of the Senate. And should Joe Biden prevail in the ever-counted votes in the presidential race, it would mean the balance of power for the entire U.S. government. Then the Democrats would own the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives. If Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi are given a gas pedal and no brakes, our heads will spin at the changes they're going to push on us. One thing, your taxes are going to go up because they truly believe they can spend your money better than you can. And it's only a matter of how much they think they can do. And don't listen to the nonsense that taxes will only go up for billionaires and millionaires because they boast about repealing the Trump tax cuts Maybe they don't know or care that those Trump tax cuts actually gave the average American family an additional $6,000 a year due to either direct tax reductions, the reductions in red tape regulations, which means the lower cost of everything we buy, and also freeing up capital that businesses have used to increase wages and boost production and create new jobs. Now, if you're a gun owner, better be prepared to do as former President Obama suggested, and cling to your guns and religion. Because some of the people Joe Biden proposes to place in cabinet positions are unabashedly hostile to the Second Amendment. If you're pro-life, as I am, 
be prepared for the worst ever assault on the lives of unborn babies. When Biden said he would appoint Xavier Becerra to be Health and Human Services Secretary, ooh, it sent chills down the spines of the entire pro-life community. Now granted, Joe called his own appointee something like Baccarera, instead of his real name, and he said that he would be head of the Health, Education, and Welfare, which, by the way, was a federal agency that was dissolved in 1979 when Jimmy Carter was president 41 years ago. Watch this. And I'm grateful to the members of my COVID team that I'd like to introduce to you now who will lead the way. I'm really proud of this group. For Secretary of Health and Education Service, I nominated Javier Bacaria. You know, Javier Bashera, excuse me. I, he didn't even know the guys. He's, he's so proud of them, but he doesn't know who they are. <laughs> hey, if you think we ought to stand up to the Chinese communists, you are in for a rude awakening if this next administration takes power. Will Joe send his billion-dollar boy child to be ambassador? If he does, he'll have to get a new laptop, I guess. That's for sure. And will we, sur our audience is just now getting that one, aren't they? Yeah. A little slow on the uptake, but they're finally coming around. Will we surrender our energy independence to China? Are we going to go back to using the FBI and the CIA to spy on the opposition party and persecute political enemies of the Democrats? And will we see more of the tyranny that tells us that we can't go to church or eat outdoors, but we can go to strip clubs, casinos, or riots? Really? The Georgia Senate races are no longer just about Georgia. They are about the future of the country and your future. And if Purdue and Leffler don't win and keep the Senate in GOP hands, we might end up with a runaway train of out-of-control, big and expensive and expansive government. So if you live in Georgia or if you know people who do, urge them to vote. Giving all the keys to the likes of Pelosi, Schumer, Biden, and Kamala it's like giving a 14-year-old keys to a Corvette and a liquor cabinet. Not a good idea. I got one word, America. Don't. Well, for the last four years, we were told by the liberal media and some deranged Democrats that Russia, Russia, Russia was the biggest threat to our country. And we were told that Donald Trump somehow colluded with Vladimir Putin in order to win the 2016 election. My first guest tonight is a Republican member of Congress who says that a new report shows the same Democrats who hurled those accusations at President Trump were actually cozying up to Chinese spies. Here's my conversation with Congressman Jim Jordan. Congressman, uh, Eric Swalwell, the Congressman from California, has been caught in a very embarrassing and compromising situation involving involvement with a Chinese spy. Should he be stripped of his committee assignment on the Intelligence Committee? I mean, this is a pretty serious deal. Yeah, yeah, well, you have to ask the Speaker that because she's the one who put him on. I think one of the other questions we need to ask Speaker Pelosi is what did she know when she put him on the committee? Had she been briefed on this issue? And frankly, I think, uh, Governor, the, 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 the real concern here is 
the different treatment between Republicans and Democrats. Now, we've sort of grown to expect that from, from so many, but but they were given defensive briefings. Remember, uh, Feinstein, Senator Feinstein got a defensive briefing when she was close to some Chinese spy. Uh, Representative Swalwell got a defensive briefing. But Republicans don't. We don't get defensive briefings. We get set up. Remember when they tried to they, they go up to New York on January oh, yeah. 6th and, and give the president, Comey gives President Trump the briefing on the dossier, not to brief him, but he did that so they could leak it and then have a story and have CNN and BuzzFeed run the story about the dossier. So uh, I think that is a big concern many of us have, this unequal treatment under the law, which is which is not supposed to be how it works in our great country. It was very fascinating that Swalwell's own response to this was that it was Trump's fault. Well, of course it was. Everything is. <laughs> I found out the most uh, just incredulous thing I'd ever heard, uh, that President Trump, after the election, would somehow leak this out about Swalwell. I mean, if he had it before, he certainly would have pulled the trigger on it sooner. Yeah. But, but what a ridiculous excuse. And, uh, I mean, what do you do, yeah. laugh in his face when you bump into him in the hall? Well, you would you would you would laugh at all this if it if it wasn't so serious. And and again, look at the double standard. For four years, they accused the president of working with foreign governments, both the whole Russia scam and then, of course, the impeachment issue, all about him entanglements with foreign governments. When it turns out, it was actually the Biden family who was engaged in all kinds of foreign entanglements with all kinds of foreign nations. Um, and those same people who were making those accusations, we come to find out, oh. They were cozying up to Russian, or excuse me, Chinese spies. So um, it's frustrating. You, you, you want to laugh at it, but it's serious as well. And we'll see what uh, we'll see what Speaker Pelosi does when it comes to the Intel Committee in the next Congress. Congressman, another thing the president's being blamed for is uh, the Hunter Biden controversy, and yet now we find out that the FBI's been uh, investigating Hunter Biden for tax issues for quite some time. Yeah. Never released that before the election. I'm I'm once again positive. <laughs> that the president wasn't the source of the information. But is Hunter Biden and ultimately Joe Biden a national security concern because of the uh, ties to China and some of the information that, uh, that we're beginning to find out? Well, it's certainly worth investigating. I'm glad there's an investigation going on. Like you, uh, Governor, I wish we would have known about this uh, a while back. I wish we'd have frankly known about the appointment or, or actually the designation of Mr. Durham as now a special counsel. That happened in October as well. Um, but yeah, we need an investigation. One of our members in the Judiciary Committee, uh, Congressman Beck, uh, or, or Buck, excuse me, has called for uh, special counsel for the Hunter Biden situation as well. We may in fact need that. So. Um, the American people want to get to the truth. We owe it to them to get to the truth. We owe it to them to have the right kind of investigation. Let's hope that happens as we move forward. You were in the middle of a lot of the hearings where all we heard was Russia, Russia, Russia. It was Russia that uh, interfered with the 2016 elections, even though uh, a $40 million investigation by some uh, uh, real Democrat lapdogs didn't reveal a doggone thing to that effect. Should we have been worried about China all along and not so much Russia? And yeah. why were the Democrats so uh, adamant about pushing the Russian narrative and ignoring the China narrative? Yeah, I mean, this this is just what they do. They, they've attacked the president for four years in spite of their relentless attacks. It's been an amazing term the president has had, done more of what he said he would do than any president in my lifetime. Um, but that's just who they are. They attack, and you're right, China China is 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 dangerous. This is the first president to stand up to him. 
stand up to him on trade policy, stand up to him on, on stealing intellectual property rights. I mean, this is the first president to do it, and so many Americans appreciate that fact. It's one of the reasons I think we had this amazing economy, growing wages for middle class and working class people, is because this president was willing to do the right things, willing to do what he said. But the Democrats, because of their just constant attacks on the president, they didn't want to do what needed to be done. Let's hope, uh, as we all move forward, that we can continue to focus on just how dangerous China is. Uh, we were all told that the Republicans were going to lose a huge number of seats in this election. There would be a great big blue wave. Well, it turned out that that blue wave turned uh, bright red, and you're going to have a, a bunch of new colleagues on the oh, Republican yeah. side. Yeah. What happened? How did the press miss it? And, uh, you know, how, how big a deal is it that there's close to parity in the House going into the next legislative session? Yeah, I mean, I think it's because we ran good candidates. I give I yeah. give our, our leader, Leader McCarthy, a lot of credit, but we recruited some good 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 women, conservative candidates who ran great campaigns. So uh, when you have good candidates, you got a good chance to win. And when you have the right message, when Democrats are talking about defunding the police, Democrats are talking about the Green New Deal, Democrats are talking about taking away your guns, taking away your money, taking away your plastic drinking straws, and taking away your private health insurance, a lot of Americans say we don't want that. Which, which just reinforces this idea that 75 million Americans instinctively know something's not right here. How can all this happen down ticket where we had these amazing results and the president gets 11 million more votes than he got last time and somehow comes up short? We went 27 of the 27 toss-up states in the House of Representatives and the president comes up short. He increases his votes with Hispanic Americans, African Americans, wins 19 of the 20 bellwether states, wins Ohio by eight, Iowa by eight, Florida by three, and somehow comes up short, that's why it's important we continue to investigate everything we can and figure out what exactly happened. Because, Governor, this is something that really scares me. Right now, over 70% of that 75 million think the election was stolen. That's more than a third of the electorate. When you have yeah. a third of the electorate that concerned about what took place, that is not a healthy situation for our culture, for our country. So we owe it to them as well to get to the bottom of what exactly happened. Well, I hope we do. Congressman, I want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, always thank great you. to uh, visit with you. And thank you for your leadership on the Hill. We need uh, more folks like you, and I hope we have some folks on their way to do just that. Congressman Jim Jordan, great to have you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. And especially with the possibility of a Biden presidency looming over us, I'm sure glad we have men like Jim Jordan around to fight for American values. Now, you can keep up with the congressman on his website, jordan.house.gov and on Twitter and Parlay, or as we say in most of America, Parlor. Coming up next, the man with the nerves of steel and no fear of heights, Nick Belinda joins us when Huckabee continues. Stick around. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow AdGovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Well, my next guest spends a whole lot of his time up in the air. And I don't mean that he's a pilot or even a frequent flyer. In fact, probing the heights is kind of a family trait. The flying Wallindas have been thrilling audiences with their aerial antics for more than 200 years. 
but it is this seventh generation son who has taken on feats that were never imagined before. He just happens to hold 11 world records, and he is the only person on the planet who knows what it feels like to walk across the gaping mouth of an erupting volcano. Take a look at this. This is an epic international event. This is history in the making. The High Wire. It's a line that defines Nick Walenda. Wow, that's amazing, that roar, that crowd. Spanning a storied family history over 200 years and seven generations. All right, Chi-Town, let's do this, baby. It's an incredible legacy that beckons as Nick Walenda strives to honor the memory of those before him with an equal sense of daring and fearlessness, making the name Nick Walenda synonymous with the impossible. You guys watching think I'm crazy, but this is what I was made for. From the skyscrapers of Chicago to the mind-reeling chasm of the Grand Canyon. This is really gonna happen. One wire, 25 stories above Times Square. No one has ever tried to hang a wire in a setting as unpredictable as this one. This volcano is one of the most active on the planet. It's currently erupting. The sky is not the limit. It's the playground. The line stretches forward and the record to beat is the one set by Walenda himself. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome Nick Walenda. Nick, hot, I think you're not the- Not quite as hot as the volcano. No, that's not no. bad at all. I think you're the craziest man I've ever interviewed in my life. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've never introduced somebody and said, here's a real nutcase, but my <laughs> gosh, walking hey, over me. a volcano? Yeah, you know, look, as you mentioned, over 200 years, seven generations, I started walking a wire before my feet were on terra firma. My mom was actually six months pregnant with me and still walking the wire. So literally my entire life. I mean, your family, I, I can't even imagine, but 200 years of tradition of this, does ever there come along a Walenda who says, uh-uh, I ain't doing this? You know, occasionally, I mean, all everybody tries it for sure. I have three yeah. children. I have a 22-year-old who is uh, proudly, I'm so proud of him, he serves our country as a U.S. Marine. Oh, God I've got bless a 19-year-old in the U.S. Army. Wow. Uh, but their training on the wire definitely served them well because they've excelled very quickly in the military careers because of that. And really, it's all about the power of the mind. It's that internal dialogue. And, uh, and that really is how we overcome the fear when we get on that wire every time we walk. You have written this book called Facing Fear. If anybody on God's <laughs> earth has the right stuff to write a book on facing fear, it's Nick Walenda. Uh, because, I mean, I can't even fathom when I'm watching this stuff, walking over Times Square, I mean, a mistake is the end of your life. Yeah, that's right, it often can be. In fact, the reason why I wrote that book was because about two years ago, we were training to break our own world record. Yeah. We were walking on a wire about 30 feet above the ground, attempting to break a world record for the highest four-level eight-person pyramid. And about halfway out on that wire, that pyramid collapsed, and my worst nightmare became a reality when oh. five of my closest friends and family members fell to the ground. Uh, By the grace of God, I caught the wire and held on. 
Uh, and I thought I was fine. I got back on the wire the next day, in fact, and performed for six weeks straight as my sister was in the hospital recovering. Mm. She was in a coma, internal bleeding, didn't think she would live at first. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and I got back on the wire. And after that, I took a small break while my sister was recovering and then got back on the wire for a contract that we had signed prior to that accident. And as I began training, I experienced this fear that I didn't know was a reality. In fact, if you asked me if fear was in my DNA, I would have said no prior to that. Yeah. Uh, but it became so debilitating that I remember going to my wife in New York City and saying, I'm done. I'm, I'm not getting back on the wire again. And really, the book is the story of what it took for me to overcome that, which was the greatest challenge of my career. It wasn't, it wasn't changing two laws in two countries over mm. 100 years old. I had yeah. to change legislation in New York State <laughs> just to get permission to walk across I Niagara can imagine. Falls, let alone the walk itself. Well, I want you to know, I've told my wife, I'm never walking that wire again either. I never did it the first time, and I'm never going to do it at all. <laughs> but, you know, in your book, you talk about the fact that there are those moments in life when you're paralyzed by fear. Obviously, you were able to overcome it. What is the key thing? to getting past fears, because not everybody has the fear of walking on a wire, sure, they're never gonna get close to it, but they're afraid of other things. That's right. What's, but th yeah, look, what I do? really think it's, it's controlling where we allow our mind to go, it's that internal dialogue. And if we can master our mind, I believe we can master anything in life. And that is one thing that we learned from a young age in our, in our career was to overcome those thoughts of telling you, hey, you're gonna fall, and countering with positive thoughts yeah. of, hey, I've trained, I've walked on wires. In fact, in my training for, for the Grand Canyon, I walked on a wire with 120 mile an hour winds just oh. to train for that walk. Therefore, when I was faced with 42-mile-an-hour gusts, 1,800, 1,500 feet above the canyon, my mind wants to go crazy, but I can say, no, don't freak out. You're in control. You've trained with three times this amount of wind. So really, it's about controlling that inner dialogue. And, and the book tells the story of how our family has done that for generations. You know, I just have to wonder, are there moments you get out there and you look and you say, eh, maybe I shouldn't do this today. Do you have <laughs> those moments? There are times where I get out there and I look and say, what a crazy, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, this is my career. This is what I do. This is my life. Um, there's never a time where I've gotten out there. In fact, I get to such a point in my mind, I'm so determined, my mind is made up, that the only person that can stop me, whether there's lightning or a hailstorm, uh, Chicago, when I walked, it was hailing uh, hours before that walk. My mind is made up. I'm going to walk that wire through hail. My dad is the only person. He's my head of safety and my head rigger. He oversees yeah. all of my safety. He's the only person that can actually step up and say, no, Nick, you're not going to get on that wire. You're going to wait. Other than that, I'm so determined I'm getting on the wire. Wow. I want to tell you, I just, I'm in awe of you. And I mean that with all my heart. The things that you have done, 11 world records, but it is incredible. And I, you've done the world a favor. This book is one everybody ought to get who's ever faced fears, and that's everybody. Uh, because if you can face the fears of the things you've experienced and overcome them, then your advice is gold for yeah. everybody out there who reads it. That was my heart behind that book. I, I wrote another book, Balance, which really told my career and the story yeah. of my life growing up in the business that I did. But after that accident, it was something that, in fact, that I felt like I had to do, was write this book to hopefully help others uh, become free of the fear that's holding them back from their achievements. You certainly are doing it. And you can get signed copies of Facing Fear, this wonderful book. And you can find Nick's other book, Balance, get his merchandise, videos, and a lot more at nickwalinda.com. Also, be sure to follow Nick Walenda on social media. See what next stunt he's going to be doing. It'll be amazing. Well, Mike, Trey, and I will find out who reigns supreme in a spirited game of musical one-upsmanship. That's coming up right after the break.
still to come, Hawks hero William Cabanis. And welcome back. A big hand for Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. <laughs> Giving us some real pumping music here tonight. Hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but I've launched my new podcast. It's called The People's Podcast. And it is available exclusively on Quake Media. If you have not already subscribed, I hope you'll sign up today at quakemedia.com slash Mike. That's how you get it. Well, Rob Ridgway is a great example of the American dream. He truly is. I mean, he had an idea that he believed in. And after just 10 years of hard work, lots of struggles and setbacks, his idea became the number one top-selling board game on Amazon.com. I want you to welcome the creator of a phenomenal game that you're going to want for Christmas called Spontaneous, the song game. Meet Rob Ridgway. Rob, good to have you here. Thank you, Governor. I appreciate it. You know, I am typically not a big board game guy, but this one, I love it. It's, it's just fun, and it's simple and easy, and kids to adults can play it. And let's talk about what does the game do? Well, it's basically word association with lyrics. Okay. Okay. So you know how you hear a word and a song pops into your head? Oh, yeah. All the Happens time. Happens all the time. All the time. So that's the game. So someone's going to say a word. First one to jump in, sing any song with that word in it, uh, gets to roll the dice and advance on the board game. And then when they advance, they get to move around. They move around the, the trouble clef shaped path, and it's kind of the race to the finish to see who gets to win. And when you land on these spaces along the way, that's when you're going to draw a challenge card. And they can have all sorts of random things, like you might have to do the chicken dance in order to advance more spaces. Or Trey does that very well, if, by the yeah. way. Yeah. He's or it might just say, it. like, uh, you should have um, you know, you stayed in high school choir, go back two spaces. Yeah, I'm sure that's the one I would get. Right. You know, you had 10 years of, of some tough breaks before you became the number one board game. And I think a lot of people may not appreciate how hard you worked. You drove a pedicab in Austin, Texas, yeah. just to keep afloat. Uh, during Christmas, you lost 85% of your sales because all the games that you had on a ship yep. uh, was sitting there because the union workers <laughs> struck and you couldn't get your games out and you lost the whole season. Yeah, they went on strike and, and uh, none of my inventory showed up and I was pedicabbing. That was 2014. Wow. And so I, at the end of the year of pedicabbing, I was like, man, I'm going to have to do this again <laughs> uh, for 2015 and wait till next Christmas. And, uh, and when that happened, it was like, Oh, pretty devastating. And then I basically I had some weird symptoms, cramps in my hands and stuff, and, and turns out I had a, a golf ball-sized brain tumor. Oh, my goodness. In the center of my brain. And so I couldn't pedicab anymore. And so uh, I started dog sitting on Rover.com, and I became the number one dog sitter on Rover and was able to, <laughs> to, to make my payments to stay afloat to get to the next Christmas. And, Rob, when I think about all the things you did, I mean, your story is an amazing story of persistence and overcoming You've created something here that all of America can love and enjoy. But if we could just stop and realize how hard it was for you to get here, we'd want to buy the game just to say, that guy deserves our support. So we've got some folks around here. Uh, they actually think they know a thing or two about music. And I'm a little eager to see who is the best. <laughs> so let's give this game a go. Hey, Keith, you and yeah. Trey, I want you guys to come over here. Okay. And we also have a veteran of the music industry, Veteran songwriter Devin O'Day is joining us. Where is Devin? One of my favorite folks. Come out here, Devin. Yeah. Come on out here. All right. 
Glad to have you, Devin. Thank you. So, uh, why don't you tell us how yeah. we're going to play? We're going to give everybody a little demonstration. Are we Good. playing for his jacket? I want to do that. Wow. Neither one of us can fit into it. That. Let's just be honest here. So, okay. I'm going to be the game meister here, and I'll lead you guys through this. Basically, I'm going to flip the timer once you say a word, mm -hmm. and the rest of you have 15 seconds to sing any song with that word in it. Any you song. need okay. at least a five-word portion okay. of lyrics five for it words. to count, okay? Okay. All right. Yeah. Devin, we're going to start okay. with you. All right. Okay. What's your word? Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Oh, wait a second. Governor, you, you started oh, on that one. You started wow. first on that one. So All he right. has to go nine spaces. One, nine two, spaces. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then you get to say the next oh, word. Oh, okay. Sister. Sister's, Sister's <laughs> I don't think I that's think, a song. I think Devin got that one. I'm just I kidding. Think that was... <laughs> I'm kidding. I thought America had Devin. it. <laughs> 11 spaces. I was stumped on that one. I'm surprised yeah. that yeah. I was. Mr. Golden Hair. Dark. Uh, okay. You get the next uh, one. How about City? Uh, let's see. Uh, my city Christmas is gone. Time my city, city is gone. Uh, Pretenders. Would you say? It's Christmas time in the city. Did yep. he beat it? He got you. He started just first. I said my city is gone by the Pretenders. I never heard of that. So you would oh, get you. a roll in advance. Oh, that's six right. Spaces. I sing it. Well, I, I'm not Chrissy Hine. I'm sorry. Okay. I can't do that. So uh, my turn, right? This yeah. is your word. All right, here's the, here's the word. Don't mess this up. Okay. Okay. Pray. Pray. We got to pray just to make it today. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's is that a song? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's MC Hammer, man. That's work. You don't know Hammer? Okay. He don't uh, know no Hammer? You don't Hammer? know Hammer? I, I know, uh, what is the one that, um, you can't touch you can't this. Touch yeah, this. That, right. that doesn't have pray in it. Yeah, it doesn't have pray in it. Yeah, I, I, I need to do a prayer. Biblical. Let me tell you guys, you can't touch this. <laughs> All right. Okay, Devin, my, it's back to you. Okay. Tree. Uh, lemon tree, very pretty. Oh. And those oh. are sweet. All right. But the fruit right of there, lemon but I just, is impossible to eat. That's Trini Lopez. Yeah. 1964. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Woo! Nine, 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 nine. Sorry, sorry. Count, yeah. count that one. All right. Okay. Your word. Okay, okay. My next word. Life. Uh, uh, Life uh, is a many splendor. Oh, uh, yeah. That's love. Oh, no, 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 love is a many. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. So, yeah, life. Uh, Let's uh, see. I got yeah. uh, Make something up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. How many if seconds? You want to be happy for the rest of your life? To make time's up. Pretty woman, your wife. Time was up. Time was up. You got a song. Life is a highway. Life is a highway. Sing it. Come I on. don't know the rest of the words. That's I like all I know. What a music director. Life he doesn't even know way. the song. I won't ride. There you go. You got night. that. I won't ride all night. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you get to oh, roll. I know what the one I should have had. Nightlife. Willie yeah. Nelson, but I can't remember the words. Because oh, right. Willie didn't know yeah. the words either. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, bad. Okay. I see what, what I'm dealing with here. So yes, you are. So easy. If you don't get this, just sit down. Okay. All right, Keith. Train. I hear uh, that midnight train, train, train to coming. Georgia. Actually, uh, oh, what did you say? I hear that train coming. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. All right, yeah, so good. we get to roll. You're like really good at this. Um, what color were you? I'm blue. You're blue. You're but good. I got you 11 got earlier. Two. Yeah, but I had 11. You never moved me. Man, people are oh. cheating. This whole everybody's but against me. He told, he told me to hold you back. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I demand a recount. <laughs> is, it, is it my turn? It's a word. Recount. It is your word. Okay. It is your word. Silence. Ready for the word? Yeah. Tonight. 
Tonight, 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 tonight. tonight. Oh, tonight. Keith, Keith, yeah. I know Keith got it. Yeah, man. Keith, what, what color were you? Finally. Huh? What color were you? He I don't was, know. All right, just the last one we got. This is I think I'm purple. You're I, purple? I haven't gotten one oh, yet. That's, well, then you are purple. All right, this is it. There we last, go. Last, last word. Oh, yep. man. Last word. Devin, Okay. Um, Come on, Devin. Lord, if you've ever loved me. <laughs> rock. Call a rock around the clock tonight. Spontaneous on Amazon and from songgame.com. Don't you want to get it? I mean, after oh, watching this demonstration, or better yet, you <laughs> might be one of the lucky Joes that are sitting in our studio tonight. Because if you are in the audience, I'm going to give a game to you, sir, right there. Yes, sir. And I'm going to give one, ma'am, to you right there. Ooh. Yes. And you over here in the red shirt, I'm going to give one to you. That's right. And back up there in another red shirt, right there. Ooh. Raise your hand, sir, in the mask. That's you, yes, sir. And I tell you what, you know what? I think we're going to give one to everybody in the audience tonight. During the Christmas season, it can be hard to know exactly how to help those in need. The Samaritan's Purse, well, they've made it easy to help you find and fund gifts that have a tangible impact on this Christmas season. From food, medical services, water, evangelism, and even more, the Samaritan's Purse Christmas 2020 gift catalog can help you give a gift to someone in need. Go to SamaritansPurse.org and you can find out more. And I hope you'll consider sharing the love of Christ during this Christmas season. Well, vanilla may be a small little plant, but it's doing a lot of good for the people of East Tennessee. And it all stems from one young man with a passion for people. I want you to meet tonight's Huck's Hero. So I realized I wanted to start Vanilla Feeds tomorrow uh, during early quarantine. I was watching the news and I was coming into the kitchen to make vanilla brownies during a commercial break. And as I poured the vanilla extract, it hit me that I could sell vanilla extract and donate the profits to help those in need. 100% of my profits go back to Second Harvest Food Bank in East Tennessee. It's very rare that you would ever find someone at his age to come around and want to do so much for so many people who are at risk of hunger. He ordered several hundred bottles at first, and I thought, well, great. We will be buying vanilla for gifts till Jesus comes. Never could we have imagined that so many people would support William and really his mission behind this. This vanilla, the fact that it's feeding, you know, hundreds of people and hundreds of families, 
I would much rather make a purchase of anything that's gonna help others. Each bottle provides 42 meals for each purchase, and it really just shows how wonderful Second Harvest is because they're able to turn the slightest monetary donation into vast quantities of meals. I never could have even hoped for the response. The number of people that have sent him encouraging emails, there's so much good in the world. And so it's been, to watch people pour into my child means so much to me. Please welcome the founder of Vanilla Feeds Tomorrow, William Cabanis. William, so glad to have you here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. Well, you know, you are our Huck's hero tonight because we are so impressed with what you've done. You're a teenager and decided that you could do something to help feed hungry people in East Tennessee where you live. How did the idea of putting together vanilla extract, I mean, that, that's a clever thought. So me and my family make a lot of brownies. Yeah. Um, if we're going to, do you bring me some? <laughs> well, we you could. could be a Huck's hero in a big way if you'd have done that. I'm telling you right now, but that's okay. I mean, if okay. You want, if you want to come for dinner, we can make you some. Okay, that sounds good. I may show up. So you're making brownies. <laughs> yeah. So during the quarantine, back when hunger first really started taking a hold of America, yeah. When food lines at food pantries were surging, breaking all records, and I was watching the news and three main things stuck with me. How no one should even be hungry in the first place. Mm. You shouldn't have to wait that long to maybe not even get food that you need to survive. And all the major organizations that sponsor these events, they're having trouble keeping up with the large demand. And they need monetary donations to keep up with it, to give food to people that need it, and to get the food in the first place. Mm. And all that just stuck with me. And I'm just trying to help. Well, it's a beautiful thing. And you decided, okay, if, if we can make vanilla extract at your family and sell it, and the proceeds would go to help feed hungry people. I mean, a lot of people have thought of that and said, I'll keep the proceeds for myself. It's pretty unselfish for you as a young man to want to help hungry people more than you wanted to get a new car or something for yourself. That, that's a motivation that I hope you can share. What is it about William that makes you more concerned about other people's needs than your own? So I grew up in a small town in Tennessee where I was fortunate to be able to go home and have food, but there were many kids in my class that didn't have that luxury, and it really did bother me. Hmm. And it bothered me that they were dependent upon school lunch, school breakfast, and backpack programs. Yeah. Now, do you know what a backpack program is? Yep, my church does it, yeah. Yeah, and it's so it's amazing thing. how they're able to give food to, in kids' backpacks that they can take home on the weekends, and it gives them food that doesn't cost them, their families, or the school. And it does it so discreetly that they fit in better socially and it still gives them the food they need. So each bottle of vanilla extract, and this is like pure vanilla extract, not an imitation, which a lot of people, maybe that's all they know. Real vanilla extract is really better when you bake and cook things. So you make the real deal. Um, how much does a bottle cost and how many people will that feed from the profit? So every bottle costs $30, and all the profits either are reinvested to help make more vanilla, yeah. or they go to Second Harvest Food Bank of East Tennessee. And each bottle you buy provides 42 meals for East Tennessee residents. Each box, Tennessee. 42 meals. Yes. Wow. So if somebody's out there and say, what are we going to do for Christmas? If people buy the vanilla and give it to their friends and family, which everybody is going to use it if they cook and bake things, Every time they buy a bottle of the vanilla extract that you make, 
they're going to feed 42 people. Yeah, they provide 42 meals, and it's really amazing. And actually, earlier this morning, I was able to provide $45,000 wow. to Second Harvest Food Bank of East Tennessee, and they turned that into over 135,000 meals. I think that's why you were the Hux hero tonight. <laughs> William Cabanis, amazing. Hey, to purchase your very own bottle of vanilla, go to vanillafeedstomorrow.com. It will make a great Christmas gift and help a lot of people. You can also follow Vanilla Feeds Tomorrow on Facebook and Instagram. Keith, why don't you tell us who else we have coming up on the show, because it's good. It's real good. When we come back, songwriter Chris Christian joins us. Christmas next week with special guest Matthew McConaughey, Daryl Strawberry, and the legendary performer Ronnie Millsap. Don't miss this special edition of Huckabee. And welcome back. Now, when my next guest was uh, on our show, it was earlier in the spring, and we had to do everything virtually because of COVID. I said then that Chris Christian is utterly disgusting because he has not just met, but he has worked with about every musical artist that most of us would love to just meet or see in concert. In fact, I called him the Forrest Gump of the music business because there is nothing he wasn't in the middle of for decades when it comes to the music industry. He has been living his dream job in the music business as a record producer, songwriter, recording artist, owner of a professional women's basketball team, and a whole lot more. He's worked with a few people. You may have heard of some of these people. Elvis Presley, Olivia Newton-John, The Carpenters, and Amy Grant, to name a few. Actually, there are hundreds. His records have sold over 10 million copies, have earned him four Grammys. He's a living legend with many delightful stories to share. Please welcome a dear friend and a wonderful person, Chris Christian. Chris, welcome. Thanks, Governor. When you were on the show before, I told you I just read the book, A Grandmother's Prayer. Uh, this was about how your grandmother prayed you into a life that, honestly, I am in awe of. I was spellbound by the stories of your book and the people that you just encountered. And the reason I called you Forrest Gump was because it's like every great musical artist, you ended up working with them, for them. They worked for you. You produced their records. What's up? <laughs> Things just happen. You know, my, my grandmother, like a, she prayed little, little Chris going to the world and preached the gospel. And then I come to Nashville uh, in, early in college and things just started happening that shouldn't happen. And, uh, you know, we've talked about that. And I just think the only explanation is God just having a plan for my life and my grandmother praying. You know, clearly God had a plan. One of the people that you befriended and became one of your closest friends, Robert Kardashian. <laughs> Uh, you know, we all know about his daughters, Kim and Chloe, and the whole family. Yep. Uh, but you and Robert were close friends in the Lord as well. That's Most true. people did not know that he was a very devout believer. Absolutely. Uh, you know, when I went in 79, I'd, I'd been, I'd done Amy Grant, start, signed her, and Imperials, praise the Lord, and BJ's Home Run Belong, and I'd mm -hmm. done Christian album. Yeah. But I wanted to see if I could do it in the 
L.A. That's yeah. the big fish, you know. So I went and uh, through a friend in Abilene and said, I know this guy that owns this, uh, not really in the record business, but he owns this tip sheet for radio stations named Robert Kardashian. I'll set you up a lunch. <laughs> so the first guy I meet is Robert Kardashian. And then we became, our families became really friends and our kids were like, you know, four and two and mm. one years old. So our families kind of spent a lot of time together. And Robert was just a, a, a gem of a guy. And then he came up, and when he heard some of the demos that I was writing with a guy named J.C. Crowley, wrote Baby Come Back and stuff like that, he said, that's really good stuff. Uh, you want me to get you a record deal? <laughs> just uh, like that? Yeah, we're, we're by the pool. And he said, you know, we were just friends. Yeah. We weren't. And he said, I said, yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> and he said, well, do you want me to manage you? And I said, well, I didn't know you were a manager. He said, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> he is now. Huh? And I said, but this would be a lot of fun. So long story short, he calls Neil Bogart, who just had Casablanca and Donna Summer and all that disco era, who'd started a new label. He got me signed to that as the first artist. Then he called Bob Gaudio, who lives here in Nashville, that was just finished with Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond, You Don't Bring Me Flowers, Coming to America. He got Bob to produce it. And then what turned out was a 1981 pop album that's that to this day is getting played all over the world and has a top 10 uh, record on it. You know, Chris, that's why I call you the Forrest Gump of the music <laughs> business because, I mean, how many people would just bump into someone that turns into a massive, explosive career? Uh, the book is something I just say to people, you got to read it. But I want to mention some of these uh, wonderful projects you've got going. This one, probably very appropriate, Thinking of You This Christmas, Chris Christian, uh, one of the releases on uh, CD. Chris Christian, this is a lot of the... That's the Robert Kardashian, uh, yeah. This one here? No, no. Oh, this one, the Robert Kardashian. Yeah, the Christmas one, I'm going to be doing a song a little bit later, you know, that's on that album, God Bless the Children. Which, which is going to be great. And this one is pretty cool, Dallas Cowboys Christmas. Hey, look, I love the Cowboys. So you did this one back in the uh, 80s, I guess. 85 and 86. And the Cowboys actually sang Christmas songs? Yes. Well, we, we raised about a half a million dollars in 85 for charity for the North Texas Food Bank and for Salvation Army. We did it again in 86. Wow. And it's got Tom Landry, and we brought them all back to do a TV show uh, that was going to be out next Christmas, which would be all the guys talking about the making of. We found the footage of the actual making of, like Tom Landry getting his little bald head dusted with the makeup lady. It's pretty uh, funny. What a great man. Uh was there ever uh, an artist that you wanted to work with and you didn't get to? I wanted to produce a Christian album on Elvis Presley. Wow, that would have been historic. And I don't know why it didn't happen because I was doing BJ and yeah. Olivia and Amy Grant and all that then, and and he and we were friends. So I don't know. It just didn't work out. But I always wish I would have done that. You know? Well, I wish you had of too because it would have been a classic. I mean, Elvis loved the gospel. He loved the Lord and yes. loved gospel music. Most people may not know that, but he would sit up all hours of the night doing Singing gospel, gospel music. He only won two Grammys, and they were gospel albums that he mm. did. And, and I don't want to divert back to Robert, but let me. Yeah. We had Bible studies at his house. I mean, Robert was a very devout Christian. Yeah. Now, I kind of laugh about it. He was Armenian. Yeah. And I'm Abilenean. <laughs> Abilene, Texas, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you're going to join us for a Christmas tune. We're so happy to have you. Chris, I just admire you, and I admire the consistency of your faith through all of the things God has delivered you through. I hope people read your wonderful story, and I want you to come back anytime you can. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here, an honor to know you. Well, thank you. I want to thank Chris Christian for joining us on the show. And Keith, I want you to tell the folks at home 
uh, they can get a lot more of Chris's music and his book. Chris Christian's music, including his remastered Thinking of You This Christmas, as well as his memoir, A Grandmother's Prayer. Please visit his website, chrischristianmusic.com. We want to invite you to join us in Nashville. Our Huckabee Studio audience tickets are free. Just go to huckabee.tv for an upcoming show. Coming up, Chris Christian sings a holiday classic. Don't go away. Now here to sing with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection with Mike on bass and special vocalist Steve Archer is Chris Christian. <laughs> I hope this really is Santa Claus I hope he lives on the cold North Pole I hope the stockings are hung on the wall May the child stay in the song God bless the children I'll stay in a song I hope there's really a reindeer that flies Does the snowman see through his button eyes I hope that when our hand turns gray child in us will stay. God bless the children everywhere. They haven't yet learned not to care. We must not let time raise us all. May the child stay in us all. of heaven closed Until we think like children Our souls will never grow God bless the children everywhere But they haven't yet learned not to care We must not learn Stay. 